Nation. It's time for the Hammer Down Show with Jared Jesselitis. Oh, yes. And what was that beginning, middle, and end part again? Streaming online at 1017thehammer.com. All right, sounds good. Let's do this. DeanHartGoldenBlack.com. He's going to be my guest here in just a little bit. He's about 15 minutes away. We'll talk with him about everything that he saw, that he heard, uh, that went down at Pro Day yesterday. Right? Been a very, very busy time right now. Maybe he's got some word on uh, where we might be having the spring game at as well, because we can't have it at ross Stadium. So lots to figure out here. We'll talk with him. I always love having Tom Deanhart on, man. He is the absolute best. Let's go ahead and get started. Much like we always do, it's Need to Know News Time. Here's your Need to Know News. All right, Purdue does advance. I would say survive, but uh, I thought they played well. And if I'm going to use the term survive, it is only in the sense that people like Zach got the absolute snot beat out of them in the post. Ugh, we'll get into it later. Mason Gillis, 20 points, 9 rebounds. What a game after him, man. I'll tell you what. Zach, 16 points, 11 boards. Boilers, 5 for 10 in the second half from 3. David Jenkins Jr., perfect 3 for 3 from 3 on the day. Rocking the Katie Gerald's headband, too. Well, the exact same one, but, you know, it's the white headband thing, so get that going on. It looked great. It worked! They advanced. They'll get the winner of this MSU and Ohio State game, which... Has that even has that started yet? I'll have to double check. Sorry, we were uh, you watch the game and then all of a sudden you're trying to get everything organized and good to go for the show. Four to two, it just tipped off. Michigan State's on top. Yeah, we'll check in with it a little bit later on. Uh, elsewhere, over at Purdue, uh, we got a lot of stuff going on here with um, softball. Their early game against Brown was canceled, and uh, also the one against Cal State Fullerton canceled. They're getting pummeled out there in Northern uh, Northern California with the rain and everything, so we'll see. They get to play. Baseball, on the other hand, is down in Oxford, Mississippi to take on defending national champs Old Miss. They're going to open up that series again starting tonight at 7.30. I'd be interested to see if softball gets anything going. I hope so. You hate to make a trip all the way out to California. Not only is it not sunny, but you don't get any games in. Doesn't help anybody. Pacers, a 134-125 win over the Rockets at home last night. Tyrese Halliburton, 29 points, 19 assists. Good Lord. They're going to pack their bags. They'll head to Detroit on Saturday where they'll take on Jaden Ivey and the Pistons. The Bulls, they'll head to Houston. Take on the Rockets tomorrow. Just two games in the NHL tonight. One of them is your Blackhawks. They'll head down to Florida to take on the Panthers. You have two of the biggest lopsided games of the season. The Panthers, I believe this is a 
this is a top one of the year. Panthers minus 455. You get the Hawks at plus 360 tonight. If you want to pair them with the underdog Anaheim Ducks against Calgary, Calgary's minus 400. So if you were to pair those two together, the Blackhawks and the uh, Ducks, you get over 17 to 1 on your money. Nice payday. They've actually hit. Other than that, if you're looking for news on the Bears trading out of first or possibly the Colts trading in the first, got nothing for you. It's all quiet, man. But we got a lot of stuff to talk about when it comes to uh, uh, yesterday's pro day over at Purdue. Like I said, Tom's going to be on here in about 10 minutes. We'll go through everything that he heard, that he saw. Really sounds like Corey Trice has done himself a lot of favors here, which is good. I think he's good. But there you go. That is today's Need to Know News for this Friday, March the 10th. As you can hear, the voice has gotten better. It's not back to 100 just yet. The water here and there is going to help. But at least I'm listenable today. Well, as listenable as I can be, right? All right, let's get to some of our best bets for this evening. Uh, what did we do yesterday? Did we give out two goalie props? Did we hit both of those? Absolutely, we did. We're rolling, baby. Let's go. Got a lot of stuff going on with our friends over at DraftKings, too. No sweat, same game for the NBA again tonight if you want to. 50% profit boost for 76ers versus Timberwolves. Another up to 100% parlay boost. College basketball, 17% profit boost for any bet on the players. Three, 33% profit boost for live betting during college basketball through Sunday. Boom, let's go. A lot of good stuff going on here. Um, I don't know how comfortable I am betting the Big Ten tournament anymore. After some of the calls that I saw down the stretch, some of the things I saw yesterday, I, it's one thing to complain about the officials and you're not getting these calls. But like, there's the end of that uh, Iowa game, there's the kickball. Like, where where is that kicked? The one that really pushed me over the edge was yesterday, the or t- today, the uh, towards the end of the game, there was that jump ball. Cliff should have gotten called for fifth, and they did call it, and somebody overruled him and said it was a held ball. And you go back and you look at the replay, and guess what? There's no held ball. Like, I, I, I don't know. I just don't know. I would tell you that I I liked Michigan State over Ohio State going in this one. I just, the evening games I'm I'm very divided on Penn State Northwestern. I think Northwestern gets that one. Indiana Maryland. Indiana never really does great in this tournament, so it's hard for me to bank on them. Maryland's already got a win over them. And like I said, with the unpredictability right now with the officiating, it's just hard. So I figure this. 
You want winners? Let's do winners. And I think, I, I think the NHL with two garbage games tonight has a lot of opportunity. Mainly because how bad um, some of these teams are defensively. Now, that doesn't always necessarily translate into wins, as you know. But we do know that we've got teams that fire off a lot of shots tonight and a couple of teams that give up a lot of shots. I mean, go by position here. Anaheim is a league worse at allowing centers shots, 14 per game. Blackhawks are in fourth with 11, almost 12. Left-wingers, Anaheim's three. Blackhawks are four. Right-wingers, Anaheim is one. Blackhawks are three. Defenseman shots, Anaheim allows 11.63 per game. It's insane. So, it's a pretty easy thing. You want to find centers and defensemen that like to shoot, and right-wingers that like to shoot for Calgary tonight. And you would like to find non-defensemen that like to shoot for Florida tonight. So here's what I dug up for you. Matthew Kachuk's always been solid for us. He's at three and a half shots on goal tonight. He's covered six of his last seven at that number. And like I said, Hawks give up the fourth most shots to left wingers. Carter Verhage, over three and a half, has hit five and six shots on goal in his last two outings. He's hot right now. We like the centers. Backlund, probably my favorite. Over three and a half. We already told you the Ducks allowed the most shots in the league, period. They also allowed the most shots to centers in the league. 14. So to take a flame center seems to be the smart thing to do. Backlund has covered three and a half in nine of his last ten. I love that one. That's my plays tonight. I just there's not a ton. How reliable is this thing for me? In betting the big ten. You gotta admit you're watching that Purdue game, and it's one thing that's in the post. You're not calling the fouls, so it is what it is. But there were just too many strange occurrences in that game to where I feel like it's a reasonable go. Is something? Is everything on the level? Seems bizarre down the stretch. That's all I'm saying. It's all I'm saying. It just seemed bizarre down the stretch at times. We're going to take a break. It's just not predictable enough for me. That's why I'm not, I am not insinuating that anybody is on the take. I am merely saying down the stretch, a lot of calls just seem to not make any sense. Specifically, that help ball made no sense. So for that, I'm just, I don't know. I don't know how much more I like betting on the Big Ten tournament. It's too much unpredictability. There you go. Unpredictability. Like, that's a word. Look, we're going to take a break here. Hang tight. I'm going to chug some water here. 
We're going to get Tom Deanhart, goldenblack.com on with us. Stick around. Plenty more Hammer Down Show. 1017 The Hammer, 1017 The Hammer. Hey, welcome back. This is the Hammer Down Show on 1017 The Hammer and 1017TheHammer.com with uh, Jared Jessalides. We're going to go over the Blue Fox Eating Cooling Hammerhead Hotline. I love this guy, man. I'll tell you what, there's nobody nicer, and uh, he does a, a, such an amazing job covering Purdue football. You know, we got to have him on. Tom Deanhart, goldandblack.com, is with us. Uh, Tom, it's always great talking football with you, especially when we can do it in March. We got uh, certainly a lot to discuss here. After Pro Day yesterday, uh, you were in attendance here. It sounds like everything went pretty well uh, with the 32 NFL scouts in attendance. Everybody was well represented to uh, check out, what, 11 Boilermakers participating yesterday? Yeah, 10 overall. Samisi Fakasiecki was supposed to, Jerry, but he did not participate. was not given a reason why. But 10 were out there. And you know it's always a good time to talk, Jared, no matter the month, the day of the week. It's always a good time to talk football, right? Absolutely. But, um, yeah, all 32 teams were there. There was one offensive coordinator there, the Raiders OC. So some of the uh, other longtime Purdue uh Staffers said this is the first time they've had all 32 teams at one of their pro days since, I think, 2017 or 16. So um kind of gives you an idea, I guess, of the, of the talent here. Uh, again, 10 boilers worked out. Five uh, of those guys were, were players that were combine invitees, so they worked out again two times in less than a week here. Um, of course, you know, you had Durham and Jones and O'Connell on offense and Graham. Uh, on defense with Corey Trice. So uh, not everybody did every drill, Jared, as you would suspect. Guys who ran good 40s and Andy didn't want to run another one. Guys like Charlie Jones, he didn't run again. Corey Trice didn't run again. And Aiden O'Connell never runs, Jared. <laughs> but I tell you what, the one guy, the one guy who I think who didn't go to the combine that worked out yesterday that may have helped himself the most was Reese Taylor, a cornerback who, of course, came to Purdue from Indiana. He's not the biggest guy, about five nine, five ten. But boy, he ran four four forty. Had the best vertical of anybody who had a vertical yesterday, and I thought he showed out pretty well. I don't think he's going to get drafted, but he may be a guy who can get into a camp. Jared. Well, that would be good for him. I, you know, we talk about those corners. Um, low key, some buzz over Corey Trice. I mean, yeah. the measurables are, are looking really good. I know you talked to him. I was reading on Golden Black. He said uh, some people had question about my speed, and I'm like. I don't think I've ever had a question. He's had some great closing speed. Uh, what was the game that he got back and he uh, that ball over the shoulder knocked it away from the tight end and saved the game uh, last year? I'm drawing a blank on what it is, but like I, I've seen him do that. And with his size on top of that, I gotta feel like uh, Scout's gotta be really interested in a guy like him. Jared, I think of all the Boilermakers eligible for the draft, my money's on him being the first one picked, um, just because of that speed you talked about. There were questions by people. I talked to a, a scout for a team I know going into the combine just to sort of get his off-the-record views on the Purdue guys, and and it, he, he had questions on how fast he was going to run. Uh, and, again, you hear Corey Trice, the quotes yesterday, he, he knew those questions were out there. He's six foot three, 215 pounds, Jared, and he still ran a four four forty. I mean, that, that's a freak right there, and he's played a lot of football, too. Yeah, just because of those measurables, think of him matching up to some of those big physical receivers in the NFL. He can do it. He's got speed, too, to, to close on you. Because of that speed and that size, so unique, I think he's a guy that could go 
you know, maybe third or fourth round uh, come come draft time in, in late April in Kansas City. Well, that'd be huge for him. Uh, we're talking with Tom Dinar here on the uh, Hammerhead Hotline. Purdue Pro Day was uh, was yesterday. Let's talk about some of the blue chippers here. Um, you know, obviously, Aiden O'Connell's a guy that's trying to play himself uh, into a position to be a, uh, I would think, a backup there. Um, we know yeah. his arm strength. Uh, we know he's got a good touch to the pylon, the back pylon yeah. and stuff. Uh, but uh, what are what were scouts buzzing about with him yesterday? How did he look yesterday? He thought he looked good through. I think I want to say close to what fifty passes. And um, yeah, I think the Hayes has been in the barn on him for a while. Uh, the warts, we all know the warts, the lack of athletic ability, the lack of speed. But he's a legit six three. And you talked about the ability to spin the ball, the accuracy, the arm strength. He can make most every throw at a pretty high level. He's smart, can read defense, played in a complex offense. And, uh, yeah, he sort of is what he is, you know. Uh, I know the modern-day quarterbacks, they all want you to be able to improvise and do some things with your feet. Again, we know he's not capable of doing that, but there are still quarterbacks in the NFL weren't that fleet of foot who still have found a path to success in modern-day football. So I kind of think, Jared, given how quarterback-hungry all these teams are in the NFL, I got to think at least one's going to fall in love with, with him and make him a late pick because if he's not drafted, there's going to be a heavy, heavy competition for his signature as an unrestricted or just an undrafted free agent. So you can secure services by using a draft pick on him, and I think in the end somebody's going to do that late in the draft. You know, Charlie Jones is uh, another intriguing name, I think. Uh, may not have that size to be the outside guy, but I, I can't imagine having to uh, guard him on the uh, inside running through the uh, interior of defenses here. Uh, he's shown the speed. We obviously know that he can catch the football. Uh, talk to me a little bit about uh, the buzz of, uh, from him coming out of Pro Day in the Combine. Yeah, you know, uh, he ran well. He said he, he says he's healthy as he's ever been, Jared, and, and that's important because he never really was healthy all last year. It was just a battle to get him from Saturday to Saturday, and he still showed out most Saturdays as it was. So he, he, he says he's healthy, pronounced himself fit, certainly looked good in Indianapolis, saw the four four forty down there. He, uh, he looked good yesterday catching passes from Aiden O'Connell. Uh, they took him outside, Jared, and had him have him field some punts as well. And I think in the end, that may be the biggest key for Charlie Jones' chance to stick in the NFL. Uh, I think is if, if he can be a viable punt return man. You know, we didn't see a lot of the best of Charlie Jones in that role at Purdue. But before he got to West Lafayette, we all know he was the Big Ten return man of the year at Iowa. So he's got it in him. I just think he was overused at receiver at Purdue. We may not have always had enough gas in the tank, but that's going to be key to have that ability to be a return man. And at best, you know, like you said, probably a third or fourth slot receiver for some team. And why can't he be the next Julian Edelman or like Danny Amendola, right? I mean, he comes across like a Wes Welker almost, you know. I can, yeah, I can see Wes him. Welker, there you go. Yeah, exactly. One of those type of guys. Um, I think, you know, he'd probably have to put a little bit more muscle on to, to come out to be a Wes Welker or Julian Edelman, but... Uh, I still think that he can serve a, uh, a similar role. We're talking with uh, Tom yeah, Dean. Yeah, I did real quick, too. He, 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 he's almost six feet tall, too. He's taller than you think. But you're right, he's, he, he is pretty rail thin. Yeah, so that's I mean that's what keeps him being on that outside is just the size. But, yeah, I, I, 
I'm not going to question that guy's toughness. And, you know, anytime no. you throw him the football, I mean, he just he seems to pull it in. And there's just guys that have a knack for it, and they can uh, they can catch on if you give them a chance. And I absolutely think that he is uh, uh, one of those guys. Talking with Tom Deanhart yeah. here on our uh, Hammerhead Hotline. Is there anybody – look, uh, Graham's an interesting guy because it seems like he is stuck between several positions – and there always just seems to be some attribute about him that, you know, people are like, eh, he's not fast enough to be the safety. Eh, he's not big enough to be yeah. this, uh, um, you know, linebacker. He, he kind of stuck in a, a couple of roles. Uh, what did he look like yesterday, and, and what does his future look like to you? Oh, he looks great physically walking through the door, man. Uh, he says he's added some weight. He says he could add more if they need him to add more. And I think you summed it up pretty well. You know, I, I don't know if he's really big enough to be a an every-down, I guess, outside linebacker in the NFL, or if he's fast enough to be a safety, he may have to be more like they call a nickel linebacker, uh, more of a, of a guy who has a special role if a defense has, has, has some type of a, of a role that he could play. I think uh, he can certainly help a team, Jared. You know, um, you just watch him play the effort. Uh, now he's got a high football IQ, too. And he can be a good special teamer for you as well. I, I think uh, again, there's so many of these guys. I think outside of Corey Trice being like, like at least I think maybe a mid-round pick. I think all these other combine guys from Purdue are all most likely if they're going to get picked, it's going to be late. And Jalen Graham certainly fits that role. And there's nothing wrong with that. He could still have a great career. But I just think the questions, you know, the overall lack of top-end speed. He just didn't test overall well in Indianapolis either. Um, so, again, I think he's a guy, if he gets picked, he's probably going to be on that last day. What's it like to watch a kicker go through a uh, pro day? I mean, I, I, Mitchell Finneran wasn't running like 40s in cone times or anything, was he? I mean, what, what's, uh, what do you do? I mean, you watch the tape. You watched him kick. What, what more do you yeah. need at your pro day? Um, well, see how many bench reps he can get? I, I don't know, but uh, <laughs> that, I, I saw his name on there, and I was like, well, what hell, what else is he going to do for them? I don't know. Yeah, not, nothing really. You know, with kickers, you know, it's, it's one thing to kick in shorts and a T-shirt in front of scouts. It's a whole other thing to do it, obviously, on a game day with 100,000 people in the stands and people, everybody's screaming at you and there's pressure. So, yeah, the kickers are sort of are what they are. Um, just a chance to take another look at the guy. And there is some pressure there with all those scouts looking at you as well, all, 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 all the scrutinization you get. and. Oh, you know, not, not the kicker, Jerry. They had, they had a long snapper working out yesterday, too. Nick, Nick Zuccino worked out and did everything, I believe. He ran a 40, was doing the, the, the shuttle drill and three-cone, and he was out there hustling. So Nick, you know, we'll have to see if Nick can, can carve a role as a long snapper in the NFL. And, you know, lastly, the other guy I don't think we talked about is Payne Durham, right? You know, Payne was the guy who actually played in the Senior Bowl and did very well. That's the marquee college all-star game. And uh, did good, did pretty well in Indianapolis, and, and looked good yesterday. And again, pandemic sort of is what he is too, like sort of like Jalen Graham, you know, Jared. Um, just not very fast, um, but he's a guy. If you watch the film, all he does is he makes plays, he catches the ball, he's a good red zone target, good teammate, and uh, a guy. Like I said, he's not going to wow you in shorts and a t-shirt running the forty, but. He's awfully productive. He's not he's not Travis Kelsey type of a guy, but he can help you in line, sort of sneak out of the backfield, come across the middle, and move the sticks on a third and eight for you with that 10-yard to a 12-yard catch. Uh, a couple more guys I want to ask you about that were there but 
or, or at least were the facility and uh, weren't working out. Uh, one intriguing name was a a wide receiver that had uh, I didn't think was on the, the squad anymore, but you said he was out there. Well, what's the deal with Milton? What, what happened here? Yeah, that was that was that was the biggest probably the biggest headline of the day. Honestly, I wanted to try to talk to him, but he snuck off the field before I could get over there. I'm not sure if we would have talked anyway, but here's what I'm told. You know, he was out there just catching passes. You know, Aiden O'Connell's got to have somebody to throw to. And uh, he is efforting to get back in the university as a student. Of course, quick recap, he was an academic casualty last year and didn't leave the school on really good academic terms. And um, he's, trying to, he's trying to get back in, Jared. And I don't want to get anybody's hopes up. Still may be a long shot, but the, the fact, the mere fact that he's making an attempt, and I guess Purdue's listening, you know, anytime you have something like that going on, it's a positive development. I think, and obviously, Purdue could use them. Absolutely. And, uh, yeah, that, 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 that's, that, that's something we'll have to keep on our radar in, in the coming months. Yeah, that, 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 uh, that caught my attention yesterday. Good luck to him on that journey back. And then uh, you also noted a, uh, another former Boilermaker, local legend, and uh, Jackson Anthrop was, <laughs> was hanging out here. I keep on trying to check box scores in the XFL. I can't even find a box score for XFL games. <laughs> to see how he's doing, and it uh, turns out that he's uh, – why is he back up here now? Yeah, he, he, he didn't make the squad. He tried out for the team in Arlington. It's coached by Bob Stoops. That's a he problem. Me, I, 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 I talked to him yesterday. He said that, that was an offense that really wasn't suited to his skill set. They didn't I – mean, he kind of compared the offense to what Iowa runs. And, of course, that's Bob Stoops' background going way back to his days when he was a college football player and coach at Iowa. So it wasn't real friendly for a guy of Jackson Anthrop's skill set. Was was one of the biggest issues for him down there, and and uh, so he's back in Lafayette. Um, I think he said he was thinking about getting trying to get a mortgage license. Still may try to coach. Who knows? Maybe if it's in high school. I think he I think he may have a chance if he wants to go be a GA for for Jeff Brom in Louisville. So I, I I think the world of Jackson Anthrop and that family, Danny as well. Mom and the dad. I mean, it's. I always get a kick out of just talking to all of them. But yeah, Jackson in particular to me, uh, just a special guy and a good young man, and so easy to root for the things he had to overcome at Purdue, and always stuck with it, and had a very productive career. And one thing you can, I always can ask of anybody in life, is to max out your ability. And I think that guy maxed out his ability and had a great career. Absolutely, but at the same time, I can't picture myself going to him for a mortgage. That doesn't seem like not that he's not capable of doing that, but like, like man, I used to watch you just run through defenses at the high school and destroy people here. Now you're telling me you're going to fight for a lower mortgage rate for me. It's just something just doesn't seem uh, it, it, like a fish out of water. You know what I mean? I, I can't imagine him not being a coach. Uh, you know, wh- whatever he feels like he wants to do for his next step. Heck, man, uh, that kid's always got my support. But I'll be honest, oh, yeah. uh, Jackson Anthem Banker is not something I have on my 2023 bingo card, Tom. <laughs> yeah, you got to do something for a living, you know. Yeah, you do. If you can't make money catching football, he's got to figure something out, and he'll figure it out. Sometimes uh, it's, it's, it's he's still a young man, and he's got a lot going for him. So uh, 
it'll be fun sort of watching his, uh, just his life continues to move forward from here. But then again, I never had Danny Anthropus, TJ Hooker, uh, you know, on my bingo card <laughs> either. So that's... I feel, safe. I feel safer having Danny Anthropus on the streets of Lafayette, I'll tell you that. Uh, yeah, I feel I do too as well. Uh, Tom <laughs> Deanhart, goldenblack.com. Hey, before we let you go, the, the spring game, I know they, the, there's a rumor that there's a, we, we got a date, right? I think they got the press release, but not a... Not a location yet. Have we figured out any, you hearing any scuttlebutt on a location for the spring game? Well, for sure, March 21st is when it starts, a week from Tuesday. For sure, it ends on April 22nd or Saturday. For sure, it's not going to be a spring game. It's going to be more of an open practice. Now, as far as the venue goes, that is still TBD, Jared, and I've been sworn to secrecy. I can't tell you right now. Oh, come on. <laughs> this guy. Look the. I guess you're just going to have to go out there and get that subscription to goldenblack.com if you're going to want to find out these things first from Tom Deanhart. Buddy, I'll tell you what, you, you you know how to get me every time. He's always got his hooks in. I'll tell you what. Ugh. It's always fun talk. Like I said, football is fun. This is a fun time of year. I love spring football. People may think I'm crazy, but it's fun. And we'll get our first look at Ryan Walter's crew, right? He's got to bring that. That's a whole other couple of radio segments to break down what they have to deal with this spring. So a lot going on, a lot of moving parts. Hey, Ryan Walters is actually speaking tonight in Indianapolis at the Indiana High School Coaches Association, big clinic. He's the keynote speaker at 730. So I know he's down there with four of his assistants who are going to coach as well. So he's been a man who's been ubiquitous, you know, meeting people, shaking hands and uh, pressing the flesh and and hitting the ground running, so it's, I'm sure it's been a whirlwind three months or so for him. I like what I see so far, that's for sure. Tom Deanhart, goldenblack.com. You can get the subscription, so uh, you can find out first from Tom and get all these uh, great first-hand accounts and everything that uh, he's been digging up over there. Tom, it's always great, man. Hey, have a great weekend. Appreciate it, my friend, and we'll talk again soon, all right? Take care, Jerry. Be good, buddy. Thanks, bud. We're going to take a break here. Come right back, and let's discuss Purdue's 70-65 to win in the Big Ten Tournament next on one. Thank you, Tom. Dean Hart, goldenblack.com. Just great stuff. I talk to Tom all day about football, but uh, good stuff coming out of uh, Pro Day yesterday. Uh, this is the Hammer Down Show. My name is Jared Jessalitis. Thanks for making me a part of your Friday. As uh, the Boilermakers, just like you, sat around here at work 70 to 65, watched that one. A lot of questions, a lot to digest from that one. Uh, the quick hits Mason Gillis, 20 points, 9 rebounds. Zach Eady, 16 points, 11 rebounds. Rebounds. All look pretty good. Not great shooting from the first half from three. Uh, what were they, just uh, two of ten? And they shoot five of ten in the second half from three. You had to be very impressed uh, with what you got off the bench today for Purdue. 21 points. Uh, 11 turnovers, though, struggled at times with the press, which hasn't been anything new. But other than that, it's one of those, hey, you won, you're moving on, Rutgers is done. You don't have to worry about him anymore. This was a puzzling game for me in terms of some of the officiating. 
And I'm not talking about, hey, you know, look, there's Zach up there. He should get these calls. He's getting him. I'm not talking like that. I mean, specifically down the stretch, there are a couple of issues here. One, there's that little scrum. Zach Eady gets in there. After Newman's being hugged and not released by two Rutgers players, including Paul Mulcahy, which every time the whistle blows and he gets called for something, uh, he, he looks shocked. And maybe he's just shocked that they're actually calling something. I don't know. But he puts his, he puts his two little hands on his cheeks. Oh, what? Me? Yes, you. Zach gets in there and separates him, and then he shoots his head back, and that results in a a technical on Zach. And mind you, we're watching the replays at home, same replays that they get to watch. And you will see Zach make zero contact with Mulcahy's head. Zero. And the replay clearly shows that. And they're watching that replay clearly show that. And they still call the technical. What are we we looking at? The second most frustrating thing comes from Zach late in that game getting the rebound. Cliff bear-hugging him from behind to commit the foul to try to send him to the line. And then they decide to re- another official overrules it and calls it a jump ball. And again, here you go. Look into the replay. I've come close to having two hands on that ball. The only two hands on there were Zach's. Increasingly frustrating. We're, we're not just talking about, hey, listen, the guards are getting pushed around. We're not talking, hey, Screens aren't being set. I mean, some truly puzzling calls happening. Remember the Iowa game last night and the, uh, they're all scrambling for it? And we called it a kickball? Where do you see the kick? I just... Increasingly, it's very frustrating. Very, very frustrating. And that game got a little bit too close towards the end. It shouldn't have been that close. Probably should have been around double digits. But what I don't understand is you know, there's been too many games like this this year where I feel like they will call the touch stuff out there around the free throw line and farther out. But in the post, they just swallow the whistles. It's weird. I will freely admit that I watched Zach get away with several fouls. Which is fine by me because, you know, the other way, they weren't calling it the other way. You can't, I have no problem when you call it consistently. But you also can't deny the fact that if you tend to let it go way more than you call it, that benefits anybody else playing on Zach Eady. It just does. 
that's the way the game is. But overall, are there a couple things to worry about? Yeah, sure. You'd be a little bit concerned about not being able to break the press. I understand that's frustrating for you. It's frustrating for me, too. Get it in, and the first thing anybody wants to do is get it to Brayton. And they know that. So you stand there flat-footed while two other guys, you know, this guy on the inbounder is going to come right over on you. you got to know that's happening, and you got to get it to that inbounder. And then you got to dribble. you got to move the ball up the court a little bit. They'll work on it. And not everybody... Rutgers is a good pressing team. They've got big physical guards out there. They've got four of them. Not everybody's going to be as good as Rutgers is at that press. They're just not. Now, I know you can't bank on that going into the NCAA tournament. You've got to work on it. But not every team is as good at at the press as Rutgers is. And they are good. Checking in on our potential opponent for tomorrow. Ohio State, no Bryce Sensabaugh, leads 33-24. Suing's got eight. Thornton's got eight. Ohio State shot 51% from the field. 55% from three. They're five of nine from three. Meanwhile, Michigan State can't hit a three. They're one of nine, shooting 31%. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. Is Ohio State really going to go on this run? I really thought I wanted Michigan State. But I'm not going to lie. It's... Good of a run as Ohio State has been on here. To take on a team that is going to be playing their fourth game in four days, can't deny it is going to benefit you. Yeah, now I'm sitting here going, Ohio State's a real option. Maybe I want Ohio State. We'll see how it plays out. But that's the score right now, 33-24 at the half. We're going to take a break. We'll wrap it up here with the Hammer Down Show next on 106.9.